You can feel it, right? The start of college basketball season just around the corner, and it's time to start digging into everything from hot topics to hot matchups when we get to conference play in 22-23, and it all starts right now. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, friends. It is September 27, 2022. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's College Basketball Correspondent at The Next. And thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Missy Hydrick and be sure to follow the next at the and at the next on Twitter and this podcast at locked on WBB. A wise man tells me all the time that it is not good to wish days away. So we're not going to do that, but it is crazy to think that October is right around the corner. And not only are you smelling pumpkin spice lattes, but the sweet smell of college basketball season as well. Today, we will talk about some of the changes that have come to the transfer portal this fall from the NCAA and big news from various leagues across the nation coming to us, conference schedules. We'll dig into four leagues, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC, and the Missouri Valley. Don't worry, there are others, I know, and we are going to dissect those for you in the next few weeks. I promise we got you. But first, let's talk about the transfer portal, something that has been such a huge and large-scale topic over the last few years as it relates to college athletics. It spans everything from college basketball to college football to soccer, to bass, to softball and baseball, all across the board. It's been a huge impact. Let's go back a little bit, though. You go back in the process when transferring really was a pretty difficult thing to do for a student athlete at the Division I level. There were a lot of hoops that you had to run through. And the biggest thing was is that when a, a, a young person decided they wanted to transfer, not only they had to get, they had to get permission, but they also then had to sit out a year. Once you went to that new school, that was where the term the red shirt really came in. Was is, That was a big piece of it, was that a student athlete transfers to a new school, they sit out a year, they maintain their eligibility, but they use that red shirt. I go back many years ago when Fred Hoiberg was the head men's basketball coach at Iowa State. A lot of people coined it transfer you. He had a ton of young men transfer into Iowa State from all different programs across the country. Now, most of them had to redshirt. So they were there for a year. They could practice. They could work out, strength and conditioning, all the benefits. They just couldn't play in games. Now, there were a few along the way, and it happens all over the country, that did get an exemption for a waiver. Maybe it was because of an injury or a health problem or had to do with something with a family, a family issue, moving closer to home, whatever that might be. But the majority of student athletes back in the day, when you transferred, you had to sit out a year. We also have to remember that interconference transferring was frowned upon. It wasn't something that people really wanted you to do. They made it really difficult. Not only did you have to sit out a year, but then you also lost a year of eligibility. So a player within the Big 12 goes from one Big 12 school to the other. 
they sit out and they lost a year of eligibility. Well, then we have a global pandemic and COVID comes into our lives and the transfer portal became what it is that we know it today. We also have an extra year of eligibility that was given to student athletes during that pandemic time that they've been able to utilize if they so choose. So we're starting to see some of these pendulums swing. First and foremost, you see that pendulum swing as it relates to those extra years from COVID, sort of that super senior that you might see, but also those players and student athletes have been able to go into the portal and they've been able to find a new home if that's something that they want to do. But recently, over the last couple of weeks, the NCAA has tried to put some looking at it from a global perspective and putting a little bit more structure around maybe how this portal works. It's going to continue to be automatic eligibility, all of those things, but they have created some windows and they call those notification of transfer windows. This was something that came out at the end of August that the, the NCAA board has adopted, their board of governors has adopted the following notification of transfer windows. So for fall sports, a 45-day window beginning the day after championship selections are made in their sport. So NCAA tournament selection for soccer comes out the next day. That's when the window opens for the sport of soccer. There's also going to be a window for those fall sports in May, May 15 days. First through the 15th, that would be after they go through spring football or spring volleyball season, they have that window to put their name in the transfer portal. Winter sports, that is men's and women's basketball, a 60-day window beginning the day after championship selections are made in their sport. Spring sports, they've got two windows now, December 1st through the 15th. That's after really kind of that first semester that they're on campus or the first semester of that year. And then a 45-day window as well, beginning the day after selections are made in their sport. Baseball, softball, when that NCAA tournament for the College World Series selection is made, the next day is when that window opens. Now, the other thing that is incredibly interesting to think about as we look at some of those numbers and how that works as well is it has to do with student financial aid. And that is kind of something that's flown under the radar a little bit, but this is something that the NCAA Governance Board has had to look at and the Board of Directors has now made an announcement that student athletes who transfer will be guaranteed their financial aid at their next school through graduation. As they said in the release, this is intended to give greater clarity for student athletes and the member schools within the transfer landscape across all sports. And these changes are effective immediately. It will now require any school that considers athletics when awarding scholarships to transfer student athletes to provide that scholarship for the rest of a student's five-year eligibility or until they have completed their bachelor of their bachelor degree requirements unless they also decide they want to transfer again or they go into the professional ranks, i.e. professional baseball, et cetera. This really doesn't necessarily impact college basketball that much, but it does impact other sports who it's not in the head count capacity, i.e. baseball, softball, where you have a 25% scholarship at one institution if they make that transfer. And according to what this ruling has brought down by the NCAA, they would be that new school would be required to give at least that 25% in an athletic scholarship money. Now, there's also been some notification that came down over the past week or so as it relates to postgraduate transfers. This is that whole other bucket and especially comes into play as we see this group of student athletes navigating through that extra year of eligibility, some playing five to six plus years because of their COVID year. 
student athletes who will enroll at another school after graduating are now allowed to enter the transfer portal anytime. That is what the Division I Council decided earlier this week. The biggest piece of this is that postgraduate students will be subject to deadlines to enter the transfer portal. So it is not something they can just do whenever that they've got to be able to hit this window. For fall and winter sports, the deadline is May 1st. For spring sports, that deadline is July 1. So we continue to see some of the impact that the transfer portal has. And we know that, that it continues to be a big piece of how coaches look at their rosters. We've heard it time and time again over the last couple of years about how coaches have had to change some of their recruiting philosophy, especially if you've been at a program and you've established yourself. You may say, I'm going to hold a scholarship every spring. I'm not going to, I'm not going to offer as many every fall in that early signing period because you want to see what's in that portal. But also, if I take over a program as a new head coach, maybe my roster has been depleted. Maybe I'm looking at what I have and think, I don't know if this is necessarily what we need to run our system. You go to the portal looking for something specific. Postgraduate students, those ones that come in, they bring a lot of veteran leadership and experience on the floor. Those are going to be some of those things that you see. But now with those deadlines, coaches have to keep that in mind and student athletes, they've got to be able to be accountable themselves, that necessarily the grass isn't always greener. If you think it is, you've got to beat the deadlines. Now, we know that transfers have a huge impact on teams. We've seen the parity as it kind of brings it a little bit more, not only just on the talent level in general in women's college basketball, but I think the transfer portal and what teams have been able to do and build the roster does that. So how does that impact who these teams play, when they play, and how the outcome is on the other end. Well, we don't know yet for the 22-23 season, but I can tell you there are going to be a lot of fantastic games. We know we've got major, major non-conference matchups all across the country starting at the end of October all the way through November and December, maybe even some into early January. But we have got conference games coming up next this winter, and when we hit and they, that's when these teams really – the rubber can hit the road. So we're going to talk conference schedules and some highlights and some things to look for. We're going to talk Big Ten and Big 12 next. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for football betting information this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting, up-to-the-minute scores, and every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games, including the MLB, playoffs start soon, MMA, boxing, golf. We know that the PGA Tour is starting back up again. They just had the President's Cup. There's been all sorts of things to bet on. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. I tell everybody now, I live in the state of Kansas and sports wagering is now legal. So it's really hard to find somebody who's not on their bet online or on their mobile device on a Friday and Saturday, even Sundays when they're thinking NFL, etc. That's where the action is. So bet online. That is where the game starts. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you so much for listening and for watching and for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. 
we've talked about transfers. We talk about some of the changes that are going on in that landscape. And we know that those transfers impact teams. But the fun part about college basketball is the fact that practice is starting all across the country. And we've got games that are going to be coming soon. But let's take a look. And we're going to dive now into some of our conference schedules. Now, that may be a way off. But if you're the Big Ten, they play conference, they play conference games right at the heart at the start of December. So let's get into it. First Big Ten conference game of the 22-23 season, Penn State at Minnesota. Why do I circle this one? Well, for me, it's interesting because I think Minnesota has a lot of question marks. Head coach Lindsey Whalen, she's a Minnesota alum. She won Olympic gold medals and WNBA championships with the Minnesota Lynx. She is synonymous with the state of Minnesota and with women's college basketball. But there's also some question marks, and it hasn't been an easy road for her as a head coach there. They were 7-11 and 11 in Big 12 play last year, 15-18 and 18 overall. I look for this first game out of the gate in the Big 10, aside from what they do in the non-con, to really kind of set the tone for the Golden Gophers. Can they hold home court? Can they establish themselves? What do some of these new faces look like for her? So I keep my eye on Minnesota. The following day, Sunday, December 4th, that's going to be the Big 12 debut. We've got Iowa at Wisconsin, the Caitlin Clark Show. She continues to have outstanding supporting cast, and I really like Lisa Bluter's team. Nebraska at Maryland, two NCAA squads last year, more than likely along with Iowa and a host of other teams in the Big 10, will be ranked in the top 25 when those first polls come out. Ohio State at Rutgers, and I circle this one because Rutgers has got a new head coach. After decades of being under the leadership of C. Vivian Stringer, she has retired, and Coquise Washington takes over as head of Rutgers program. What can they do in a rebuild? That will be more, we'll have to wait and see. But early Big Ten matchups really kind of tell what a team is going to be like as they go throughout the course of the wintertime. We go down to Sunday, December 11th, Michigan at Ohio, Michigan State at Ohio State, excuse me. I love Susie Merchant's teams. I always think they play hard. They play within themselves. They always surprise people on the road. You're never going to be able to count a Michigan State team out. And Ohio State, they were the 2022 Big Ten, Big Ten co-champs. Do not count out Kevin McGuff's, McGuff's team. He's got a reload with a lot of players back from last season. I think they will be just as explosive, maybe under the radar a little bit, but they will be ranked in the top 25, no doubt. As you get to the end of the 22 calendar, you've got Saturday, December 31st. It's going to go out with a bang, Michigan at Ohio State. Now, Kim barnes Rico, this is a program that is off and running. I think she's got it just humming on every every cylinder there in Ann Arbor. But no Nas Hillman anymore if you're a Michigan Wolverine. But you've got Leah Brown, Emily Kaiser, Layla Felia, Maddie Nolan, back from an Elite Eight squad. I really like Michigan. They will surprise people, and they will win games throughout the course of the year. Nebraska at Indiana. Again, an Indiana squad. They have lost some players from last year, but they are reloading. I look for that team to be ranked in the top 25 as well. And I like Nebraska. Amy Williams and the group she has put together there as a head coach. She's got Jazz Shelley back at that guard position. And you can't count out the Big Ten freshman of the year last year, 6'2 forward and Alexis Markowski. She's a hometown girl from Lincoln, Nebraska. They love their Cornhusker women's basketball. It's going to be a very, very difficult to place to play all season long. 
Iowa at Michigan on Saturday, January 7th, and a rivalry game, Michigan State at Michigan, Saturday, January 14th. You go through the month of January, big-time games such as Michigan at Maryland, and then I look at Ohio State at Maryland in early February. How about Indiana at Ohio State, February 13th? And then they get to host Michigan as well at Indiana Thursday, February 16th. And I like Indiana at Iowa, Sunday, February 6th, one of the last games on the schedule prior to the Big Ten tournament that will happen at the Target Center in Minneapolis this year. That could very well be one of the games that really sets the stage for who's going to be taking home the regular season Big Big Ten title. And as we know, Caitlin Clark, she does not like to lose at home. All right, let's stay in the Midwest. We're going to talk about the Big 12. It is going to look a lot different in a couple of years, but it is still 10 teams. They play each other twice and big-time rivalries and big-time matchups. It all starts on the last year of 2022. Saturday, December 31st, we get major matchups. Kansas State at Texas. The Wildcats are going to look really different this year. No Ioka Lee. She is out all season with a knee injury. So what? how do they play? There's a lot of question marks. We'll know more about them as their non-conference schedule comes to be in November and December before they hit the Big 12. But Texas, they are going to be a formidable opponent. They have retooled. This is a bit of a new look for Vic Schaefer, but he's got the Big 12 freshman of the year back in Roy Harmon. He also answered, he added a graduate student. We were talking about that in the portal. Someone who's gone to the portal and really found some gems. And he did, I think he found one. I really like BYU WCC player of the year. She's been an All-American and Shaylee Gonzalez. I think she will fit well at Texas and be a formidable foe in this league. Oklahoma at West Virginia. Don Plitzaway takes over at West Virginia as the head coach in Morgantown. TCU at Baylor. Nikki Collins, she gets another Big 12 regular season title for the Baylor Bears. New faces, lost a lot, but she's also got some big time transfers. And I really like Asia Blackwell. She comes from Missouri. I think she's going to be an impact player in this league. Look for her to probably be one of those players on that newcomer list. Then Tuesday, January 3rd, right out of the gate, Baylor at Oklahoma. Now, remember, for Oklahoma, Jenny Baranchik, she gets that team back to the NCAA last year for the first time since 2018, and she's got super seniors. We saw that, that NCAA transfer pendulum. It is swinging in the way of OU. She's got three. Taylor Robertson, Maddie Williams, and Ana Yunusa, who is back from injury. She has dealt with it really her whole career, but that is big-time veteran leadership and big-time experience and production that Oklahoma will have this year. She also gets a transfer in Aubrey Jones, the younger sister of Ashley Jones, who comes from Iowa State to Norman. Baylor at Kansas, Saturday, January 7th. Look for KU to see whether or not they can get Baylor at home this year. They had him on the ropes last year. Brandon Schneider got his team back to the NCAA in 2022. Can they do it again? This is a lot of returners, a lot of veterans. I think he's got a really good squad. Iowa State at Oklahoma. We're going to get the matchup of the Jones sisters. Ashley Jones comes back that super senior year at Iowa State, and she's going to go up against her sister who transferred to Oklahoma. But never, ever count out the Cyclones. They will be ranked in probably the top 15, maybe even the top 10. With Jones coming back in the backcourt with Emily Ryan, Lexi Donarski, and some other outstanding dynamic players in that front court, I really like the Cyclones. Iowa State at Texas, Sunday, January 15th. Texas at Baylor, Sunday, January 22nd. 
You go into February and I like Oklahoma at Baylor. Can the Sooners get him at home early? And then it would be maybe a revenge game for Baylor in mid-February. Monday, February 27th, you've got Baylor at Texas. You've also got to think that there's going to be some sleepers in there. As we know, with each and every one of these conferences, you've got to hold home court and you've got to steal a couple at the road. Difficult places to play if they can get people generated and get some crowd excitement. Morgantown, we're not sure what Don Plutz White team is going to look like, but that's going to be a tough place to play, as well as Kansas State. Manhattan, Kansas can be a tough place, especially when the crowd gets into it. Same with TCU at Texas Tech, and you've got a new coach at Oklahoma State and J.C. Hoyt. What will the Cowgirls look like? Big question marks there. They will upset a couple teams along the way. All right, two leagues that are loaded again this year, just like the Big Ten and the Big 12 is the ACC, and one of my very favorite mid-majors is the Missouri Valley. We're going to talk about those in just a second as they have also announced their league schedules for 22-23. Hi, everyone. I'm Missy Heydrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent at The Next, and so happy to have you here on Locked On Women's Basketball. Now, as we continue to look at some of what's going on across the country we know that teams and transfers, they have new looks each and every year. Players graduate, new players come in, and the competition just continues to get better and better. And that's what you're going to see, I think, this season in the ACC. You've got new head coaches at some different schools, you but you are going to have a host of teams that are going to be ranked when these polls come out in the top 25. NC State, Louisville, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, more than likely Duke is going to be getting votes, if not be ranked in the top 25. These are all going to be tough conference foes. And one thing you know about the ACC is they love rivalry games. Duke, North Carolina, NC State, North Carolina, Duke against anybody. Notre Dame comes in and then you've got Louisville and North Carolina State. These have all become huge rivalry destinations and big games that really have an impact not only on their league, but on what happens on the national landscape as people think about votes and they think about seeding across NCAA tournament later on in March. Okay, let's look at the ACC though and what they're doing with their scheduling. They get out early and that's really interesting because they got a lot of games, but they spread them out. And so the first ACC regular season game of the year is gonna be against two new head coaches leading their squads. You've got Wake Forest at Virginia. Megan Jebba takes over at Wake Forest after a outstanding career as a head coach at American University. Her tenure there brings her to Wake. She's got a rebuilding process to do, as does Coach Mox at Virginia. She came from Missouri State. She takes over a Virginia program that really has struggled over the last couple of years. They needed to have some new life breathed into that program. I think she's going to be able to do that. It's going to take some time for both of these women to shape their program, but they're going to get off on a great start and start the ACC regular season schedule with that game at Virginia on November 13th. Other games to keep your eyes on mid-December. Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. I like Kenny Brooks' squad at Virginia Tech. Again, they will be ranked. And I love what Neil Ivey has done in kind of forming this group of players with transfers as well as with young players and experience at Notre Dame. I see them being ranked in the top 10. I think they could stay there almost all season simply because of their experience and their scoring firepower. But they will defend. And that is what's going to make them a, a very tough foe throughout the course of the ACC. 
Wednesday, December 21st, it will be the official debut of Brooke Wyckoff as the head coach at Florida State. They host Miami on Wednesday, December 21st. And then we hit the new year. We get into 2023, Sunday, January 1st, Louisville at Duke. January 8th, Notre Dame at North Carolina. Courtney Banghart's team, they're going to defend, but they can also score that old school Princeton mentality that she brought with her to Chapel Hill that continues to be part of what she's building with her program. Outstanding athletes that can really defend and get up and down the floor on offense. They are going to be a lot to handle. North Carolina at North, NC State at North Carolina, Sunday, January 15th, one of those rivalry games. And then Duke at UNC, again, back to back. They've got a lot of action. That's what you get in the ACC. NC State at Louisville, Jeff Waltz. We know that this team is going to look different this year, as it has every year. But he has been one of those people, kind of a master of the portal. He goes in and finds the right types of players that fit his system, but that also fit his culture. And they want to make sure that that's the right fit. You can have the most outstanding player come across your plate or come across the dial and say, yeah, they would be great, but they just don't fit for us. And that's okay. Jeff Waltz always finds those players. He's got tough returners and he's got a lot of great leadership. And we've got a player like Haley Van Lith out front. This is a team that's looking to get back to the final four as they did last year by capturing that Wichita region. Florida State at Notre Dame, Thursday, January 26th. Notre Dame then on the road at NC State on the 29th. You get into mid-February or the early month. I've got Virginia Tech and at NC State on Monday, February 6th. Again, no easy place to play, but somebody is going to get upset at home. Keep your eye on some of these matchups. Duke at Virginia Tech, Louisville at Notre Dame on Thursday the 16th. The ACC tournament starts March 1st through the 5th in Greensboro. Somebody's going to be jockeying for that automatic berth, but there's also going to be a lot of games played that's going to be the outcome of the regular season ACC champions. All right, I had the pleasure to be able to put together a preview, really, of the Missouri Valley just a couple weeks ago. You can find it at thenexthoops.com. And it really was an advance of the first ever Missouri Valley women's basketball tip-off. For the first time, the Missouri Valley took their men's and women's tip-off events. and They did them separately, which is great. Women's basketball continuing to stand on its own and really show that fortitude that it has. I think you see it because the Missouri Valley is such a strong league. Illinois Chicago has left, excuse me, Loyola Chicago left the Missouri Valley in, in July 1. Three new teams added in makes 12. Now, 20 regular season conference games for the Missouri Valley. In 21-22, this league boasted the top 10 in conference net ranking. They were also in the top 15 in conference RPI. So what do you say? Not an easy place to win on the road at all in the Missouri Valley. And you've got to hold home court, as we say, with every league. But now you've got to play everybody twice. So this is not at all going to be an easy road for Missouri Valley coaches, and they know it. When you look at some of the games, it's going to start at the end of December. There's going to be just a couple right before January 1. December 29th, Southern Illinois at Evansville. Southern Illinois, they've got a new coach, but they are the defending Missouri Valley regular season champions. And Missouri State at Indiana State on December 29th as well. Again, a new coach, Beth Cunningham, she takes over at Missouri State. 
on the 30th. It's Valpo at Belmont. And if everybody's got a circle going to Belmont, because that will be one of the toughest places to play. They come from the Ohio Valley Conference, Bart Brooks, his team, six of the last seven years they've been to the NCAA tournament. And they've got really what I think is one of the most dynamic guards in the game, Destiny Wells. She is just one of those players that can score at will as needed, but she can distribute. And that is really what has made Belmont such a formidable foe the last couple of years. I look at Belmont to be not only a tough place to play, but they are going to go in and upset some people on their home court. That is going to be a team that everyone is going to have to be prepared for throughout the course of the Missouri Valley season. Drake at Illinois State as well on December 30th. A Drake team, very difficult place, a team that has been at the top of the Missouri over the of the Missouri Valley the last couple of years, maybe had a little bit of a disappointment last season, but an Illinois State squad who got hot at the right time, captured the Missouri Valley Tournament Championship, got the automatic bid, and Coach Gillespie said about her Redbirds team earlier this fall that they just love the taste of it. They want to get back, and that's what you want to see out of any team. You get to the NCAA tournament for the first time in however many years, and it's just something that the players haven't done. They want to do it again. That is the kind of motivation Illinois State has. I look for them to be motivated all season long, non-con and in the conference. Early February, excuse me, early January, Illinois State at Missouri State on January 5th on the 6th, Belmont at Drake. Belmont at UNI, Murray State is going to be at Drake, another new member of this Missouri Valley team. They bring in the Ohio Valley Player of the Year last year, and that was forward Caitlin Young. She not only led them in scoring and in rebounding, and six-year head coach Russell Turner knows that it's going to be incredibly important for her to have a great year as they make this transition into the Missouri Valley. Mid-January, Illinois State at Belmont, UNI at Missouri in late January. Big-time games all throughout the course of the season. Drake has to go on the road to Belmont at the end of February. UNI at Murray State, Murray, Missouri State at Drake on March 2nd, Southern Illinois at UNI on the 2nd as well. And then the last couple of games will be March 4th between they, before all of these squads head to Hoops in the Heartland for the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament in the Quad Cities, one of the longest standing tournaments at a neutral site across the country. And that's where they will buy for that automatic bid, but you can definitely bet on the fact that there are 20 games that they're going to have to play over the course of a regular season now in the Missouri Valley. And it's going to be a lot of tough foes. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure to be able to be with you here today on Locked On Women's Basketball. Stay with us because we are going to continue to break down college basketball schedules, news and notes, coaching changes, teams, all of the above. I'm excited because I'm going to be with you on every on Mondays going forward here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. So please continue to watch and to listen. And thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Please join us all this week, though, for more episodes. We've got college basketball news and notes. The 2022 FIBA World Cup is off and running. They're headed to the gold medal game. October 1st, we have got you covered with everything going on with the World Cup. And also there's going to be more moves in on the in uh, for the WNBA, whether it's in the front office, or player movement, we've got it covered. Don't worry. It is right here on Locked On Women's Basketball. 
Now, make your second listen locked on fantasy basketball. That is Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I'm Missy Heidrich. We will see you next time right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball.